It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shoei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. What's up, Reds fans? Welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast. It's a Monday. It's a holiday for some people. I don't know if you yourself are off of work here on President's Day. I I know my old job, I used to be off work on this day. But hey, if you are or if you aren't, welcome in to this awesome show. I am so excited to bring this to you. This is actually part one of my interview with Bronson Arroyo. I was so happy to talk to him. Got the chance to talk to him over the weekend, and you are going to very much enjoy it. There's so much that we get to uh, here in this first part. Going to talk about what he's been up to as a retired baseball player. We're also going to look at the Astros scandal from his perspective. He's got a great point of view. Having been a pitcher himself, we'll jump into all of that and also look at some spring training memories. A lot of fun stuff in here today. But before we get to that, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on whatever podcasting platform you are currently listening to. Also, follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Carr, with three Fs, and at LockedOnReds for the show. Check out the blog at LockedOnReds.com for even more content, and save the LockedOnReds line number into your phone at 513-549-0100. Five nine. So a little bit different today. We're not going to do news or any segments or anything like that. We're just talking with Bronson here today being part one, and we'll finish it up on tomorrow's episode. This interview and the Lockdown Reds podcast today is brought to you by Arizona Tourism. Spring training is almost here, which means Cactus League action is forthcoming. And if you're planning to get out to Arizona to watch the Reds and any and all other Cactus League teams, the best way to get out there is visit Arizona.com slash spring training. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans because you've got 10 stadiums with 15 major league teams 
all within a 50-mile radius of Greater Phoenix. So you can get to everything. And on top of that, you've got awesome landscapes. I mean, Arizona is known for its outdoor adventures and national parks. Lots of great places to explore. But when it comes to the game, I mean, spring training, everyone is so laid back. You can meet your favorite players, get some autographs, and then enjoy some baseball in some nice warm weather. If you like me and you live in the tri-state area right now, you're freezing your bunions off, head out to Arizona, warm up, and watch some Reds baseball. Best way to do that, visit Arizona.com slash spring training. Go there and book your spring training excursion today. All right, for today's Locked On Reds, I have back with me, as I mentioned on Friday's episode, the official pitcher of the Locked On Reds, the ace of the staff for Locked On <laughs> Reds, Bronson Royals. Bronson, how you doing? Awesome, man. I'm doing awesome. It's awesome to be talking to you. I mean, we're, we're heading into spring training. Pitchers and catchers are there. They're, most of the teams are, really. Uh, I've seen video of just about everybody taking BP. But before we jump into spring training, I want to know, so you're all over the place. You're playing golf everywhere. You're in a band. Uh, you went to the Middle East, but I think you said that was the name of a club. And yeah, I mean, just what what you've been, and you went to a school that I went to to speak about baseball and stuff like that. So just this whole year's been crazy for you. Like, kind of sum it up. Yeah, it's just how I've lived my life for. Well, it's how I used to live my off seasons. A lot of times, I was traveling around trying to see people in the midst of staying in shape. So you know, I'd find myself in Fenway Park, you know, playing a little music in Boston and playing catch with the snow coming down in Fenway, and the workers are redoing the stadium and some part that they were you know doing year after year and um you know lifting weights up up in the in the weight room in Fenway and then I find myself back in Cincinnati and then sometimes in Florida working out with Chris Sale in Naples so I've always been kind of a mover and a shaker and now that I don't have to be chained to the game I don't have to stay in shape I don't have to worry about my arm and stuff it just makes it that much easier to say yes to people so I wind up just being on the go constantly and and it's everything from speaking at a university as I did the other day as you mentioned a place Eastern Kentucky University um, I did that dinner the other night for the baseball team, trying to raise some money. We just played Autism Rocks, which is I've got a band around Cincy. We wind up playing some charity shows to just raise some money for people. You know, I'm, play, I'm trying to play a little bit of golf. I'm trying to snow ski. I just came back from Breckenridge last night. And, um, <laughs> you know, and on top of that, then I wrote, a, I wrote a record that I'm finishing up at the end of April, which is about, you know, 75% finished uh, for the first time, original music, and putting a, another band together here with a, a cello player, and an acoustic guitar just to play some of these um, original songs. So, yeah, my day my days are full. But honestly, you know, it's it's the way I like it. It's, I I like I like being, mixing it up with people. I like saying yes to to do different things. And um, you know, my schedule actually wind up making it where I can't get to spring training this year. I'm kind of bummed. I'm seeing the guys <laughs> on TV taking batting practice and stuff, and it's it's making it uh, it's making me a little jealous. Well, I appreciate you saying yes to our little podcast here. Um, when it comes to, I mean, heck, skiing. Scares the hell out of me. I've done it once. I about died. I don't think I did. <laughs> where's, where, where's your favorite place that you went golfing this past year? Um, I'd probably say this past year. You know, I, I say most of the time because it's it's kind of close to home. It's about three hours away. I go down to Naples still quite a bit, and um, there's a place there that uh, that Larry Bird has a has a uh, part ownership in, and it's called the Hideout. Uh, it's a it's a place in uh, in Naples. I think I think they were aggravated with Naples National, so they just said, you know what, we're going to build our own course. And 
There's just, they cut out all the red tape, which is, I absolutely love. There's no dress code. There's no tea times. It's a small, nice little clubhouse. Uh, the, the, the turn makes it at, at hole 12 instead of nine, which is cool. Oh, yeah. So if you just want to play 12, you don't have to finish up the back. Um, they've got food strategically placed out on the course where you just, it's, it's an honor system. You just write your name on a thing. If you want to take an apple or a granola bar or whatever it is, I just, I just love the vibe. There's no houses down there. And so, uh, I've played down there with Chris Sale and some of the guys, over the years that wind up being with the twins or playing in the Fort Myers area. Um, but it's just a nice quaint, quiet place that I love. That's solid. I, I haven't played golf in a little while. It's too cold up here, but yeah, the whole no houses thing would be a big deal. I've hit too many houses. <laughs> playing golf. Well, that's what I'm trying to avoid. I'm actually getting my first golf lesson today. Oh yeah. Yeah. Over at triple crown. I have, I've never had a golf lesson. I've been trying to handle it myself and I've got my handicap down to about an 11 and it's just kind of too inconsistent. So I'm going to see if we can get some direction. What's the one, because everyone's got a shot. I still remember my favorite shot. What is the shot that keeps you coming back? Um, like, for instance, mine, and I was thinking about it earlier. It's like 15 years ago now, but I hit an eagle two on a par four, like 200 right. yards out. Hit right, a four dropped iron. it in. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a couple of shots like that. You know, I'm start. I, I chipped. I've chipped in off the green three times in uh, the last couple of times I played. Getting a little bit better with this, with the short game. But I, I think, you know, I just love to. I just love to play a consistent game, right? It's like, it's the way I pitched. I knew I wasn't going to be, you know, probably a Cy Young Award winner, but I knew I was going to give you 200 innings, right? And that's not the way I feel about golf. It's like I, I don't really need to do anything spectacular, but I'd like to be able to shoot sub 85 on any course in America, you know, from let's say 6,800 yards. Um, and, you know, it's just there's days when I do that, you know, I'll shoot an 80 and then I'll back it right up with a 95. And it's just so erratic. It'd be like if I went out there on the mound and couldn't throw strikes for a day and I walked like six guys. And it just that never happened to me on a baseball field um, for the most part. So, you know, I, I, it would never drive me crazy that my command had left me. But in golf, it feels like your command just leaves you one day. You go out there and you have no idea why you're spraying the ball all over the place. So it's it's it's. You know, I don't have to. I don't have to. I don't have to be the best player on the planet. But I'd like to be able to go out there and consistently put up the same numbers. You know, round after round or close to it. I can feel it. So when you when you talk about pitching, but for a minute, because I wanted to get your take on all this with the Astros cheating scandal and coming from the perspective of a pitcher being on the mound. I mean, I know there was videos and 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 I forget the name. He was a reliever for, I think it was the White Sox. Uh, oh, uh, Dylan Axelrod. There was a video of him figuring out that they were banging on the trash can and calling his catcher up, changing the signs and stuff. Just what is your perspective on all this? What would you think of having to deal with that? Yeah, I mean, you know, you've, you, there's always been these kind of what we call like kind of quote-unquote myths, you know. You never really could put your finger on them, but you'd go into places like Toronto and you'd give up, you know, eight runs in three innings and, um, you know, you'd pitch against them at your place and you'd chew them alive, you know, and, you, and they always hit a lot more homers inside Toronto and it was all these, or you'd hear, you know, Alex Rodriguez has a video camera that he's using, some of the higher end players, you know, you'd hear these rumors, but you never really put your finger on it and you'd ask players that you played with that were on that team previously and they would be like, no, nah, there was nothing really going on, you know, so you'd, ne- you'd never really be able to figure it out. You know guys are stealing signs from second base, but I, I think the way that I think about the game is kind of... I guess the way a casino would think about blackjack in a way. If you could walk into a blackjack table, you can count cards in your head, and you're just a genius in that way, and you can pull it off, um, you know, basically manually, I, I, I would, uh, I say no problem. You know, if you're on second base and you can relay, relay signs to the, to, the, to the batter, and because I'm not coding my signs good enough, you know, more power to you. But when you start using technology, especially as fantastic as technology is getting, right. um, 
to just outright know when I'm going to throw an off-speed pitch, right? Because if, if it's a right-handed batter versus another right-handed batter, and let's say I'm a three-pitch starter, I'm a fastball, curveball, and a changeup guy, if, if there's two strikes and it's right on right and you bang on the trash can and you know an off-speed pitch is coming, you don't have to know it's a curveball or a changeup because it's probably 90% going to be the curveball, right? Because it's not, you're not going to see a lot of right on right changeups. Um, and because you know guys' sequences and how they pitch. And so if you just know that an off-speed pitch versus a fastball is coming, you can pretty much dial them down to knowing exactly where they're going to throw the pitch, even in what area, right? And right. so not only does it give you an advantage to, to, to hit, hit the ball, but it also gives you an advantage to, to, to take pitches, to spit on those really great sliders in the dirt, right? Because as soon as you see it out of the hand, you know it's a breaking ball. You now aren't fooled. And so you don't think it's that high fastball and get that head jerk, right? You just you know it's a breaking ball. Like, oh, that's, that's going to be up in the zone. And pow, and you whack it, you know? And so, you know, from my perspective, it's too over the top. I'm glad they kind of slammed them hard with the, with the penalties of what happened just to kind of let people know in the game you can't keep pushing the envelope, right? Because, I mean, look, we're all playing a game that is very difficult to be consistent at because the other side is always, um, you know, a great competitor, right? It's like everyone else is getting paid on the other side. And so we are all looking for ways to find a way to, to beat the game, right? And, and um, you know, there's those gray areas where you're talking about whether it's a pitcher using some pine tar or, um, you know, guys tipping at second base or if you're trying to pick, you know, a guy who's tipping on the mound and you're trying to pick that apart. There's all these little subtleties of the game or can you figure out the third base coach's signs so we know when they're stealing. You know, there's a lot of that stuff that's always going on and, and it feels like a lot of that is built into the game. But just straight up, you know, like wearing a watch and having it vibrate every time a breaking ball is coming is just ridiculous. And, um, you know, those guys, um, I, I honestly don't know how they kind of put the whole puzzle together other than maybe somebody... Um, being in that locker room and it kind of leaking out. And that's the one thing that you find is that, you know, people change teams so often these days that it's very risky to do something like this because if if one guy goes from one team to another, he's going to want to take that information with him and say, hey, this is what we used to do, guys. This is how we're so successful. And the stuff is going to leak out. And so I guess that's probably how this thing, um, the ball got rolling on. Some of this was players who were on that team from the past, I'm assuming, probably started talking a little bit. And, um, you know... You just want the game. Listen, I, I love the instant replay because it makes the game fair, right? You right. want a good call to be, you know, bang, bang, play at first base in the ninth inning in the World Series. You want it to be accurate. And I think you want everybody playing on the same playing field. It's why I re- I kind of enjoyed them pulling steroids out of the game. And um, I think if they can keep it clean on the, on the technology side, I think it will be beneficial to the game as well. That was one funny thing. Joey uh, was just on a podcast with Jim Day, and he said, he's just like, our, our plan for 2020 is to win. We're not you – know, no Apple Watches, no Apple phones, and no cameras involved, just good old Red Legs baseball. And I think that's definitely – I mean, that's going to be a theme this year is, you know, teams talking about playing baseball the right way and things of all that. When, when I think of – just from a fan's perspective, the whole cheating thing, like even if there, – there's people that are like, well, this should take away Houston's World Series. And I'm like, that's, fans are still going to know who won the World Series that year. Right. Like it's not right. like you can just take that off a piece of paper. But – I played baseball in high school. I wasn't really good, but I was pretty good at left bench and right. reading other teams' <laughs> signs. Right. But I didn't use a camera to do it, so I understand what you're saying there. It's like to get that advantage and using technology in a way that, I mean, hell, if you were playing back in the 1930s, you could have done that. It's just it's, it's weird, the, the whole thing that's gone on. Right. I, you know, I, when we, I remember being in Boston and oh, it was either 04 or 05, I don't remember which year, but we put a, uh, a small TV in the bullpen in Fenway. Mm-hmm. And immediately it just it, it drew criticism. And they said, you either have to take, 
take the TV out or you need to put one in the visitors as well. Sure. And, you know, they were on high alert for that. But as iPads have become more and more frequent in the dugout to watch pictures instead of having to go all the way back to the clubhouse to see it on a video, you know, it's, it's bringing the technology closer and closer to the field, you know. And I'd always... I, I had always thought about an idea, you know, where you're constantly trying to figure out signs and coding your signs at second base. I used to think it'd be really great if you had like a little microphone, you know, on, on, on the top of your jersey here where the catcher had something in his ear and you could just be like change up. And, and then you wouldn't have to go through any signs and no one else could know what was coming. Right. But then you think about the technology on the flip side of the coin. Somebody watching a camera, seeing the sign go down and then just telling, you know, Jose Altuve in his ear, like, hey, here comes a slider down and away. I mean, you know, it's it's scary. Because, I mean, it could change your whole career. I mean, the truth of it is, if everybody knew what Bronson Roy was going to throw, as bad as my stuff was, I mean, I would have gotten killed, <laughs> right? Like, the whole, the whole way that I survived in the game for 20 years was the element of surprise. And if that surprise was taken away, then I would have, you know, it would have changed my entire life, right? Because your career is, gonna, is not going to be nearly as good. It's going to affect the amount of money you have. So it's going to affect, affect, in turn, what you do in retirement or how you think about the world after whether you go back to school or whatever it is you have to do, you know, your whole world could be flipped upside down by this if it went on year after year after year and if a lot of teams were doing it. And so, um, you know, it's nice that they kind of nip it in the bud the way they did. And I think they, I think they got, uh, I think they got, to me, it was a nice, it was a severe penalty. I mean, I think especially firing three managers, you know, you had 10% of major league baseball managers got fired right. over a scandal in an off season. And one of them hadn't even managed yet. Right. Beltran. So, um, you know, I think they did their job. I think the league really took care of it the way it should have been. I don't think you had that bad of stuff. I thought you had good breaking stuff. Yeah, I had good breaking stuff. But if you would have known when that breaking ball was coming yeah, every yeah. time, I mean, it would have changed the whole ball game. Now it's like I'm going to have to beat you with an 88 mile hour fastball, and you also know that's coming. It's like <laughs> it's like you pull the element of surprise out, man. It's like guerrilla warfare is out the window, right? It's like now we're just like now now we're just like the old days where we just stand out there in the 1700s and freaking take shots at each other in a line. You know what I mean? Like my gun, my gun wasn't going to work in that in that war. <laughs> oh man. I, I, something I always respected just about watching you pitch was that you could change your arm angle with any pitch. It wasn't like, well, it's coming three quarters, it's the slider, it's coming over the top, it's a fastball. Right. Wasn't that easy. Here in a minute, we jump into some spring training memories that Bronson had, talking about some of his favorite players, and he even gets into some fun, uh, dusty memories. But uh, before we do that, I want to introduce today a brand new segment for this week. Each day I'm going to take a look at a different red and talk about his fantasy baseball projections and how they differ, uh, whether they be good or bad, from last season's performance. And it's just called the Fantasy Minute. So today on the Fantasy Minute, brought to you by League Commish, we're talking about our man Eugenio Suarez. Of course, the number one fantasy player for the Reds last season because he almost hit 50. Yeah, it's just it's such a bummer that he missed that one home run. Almost had 50 home runs for him. But his 49 home runs and his 103 RBIs in 2019 are expected to see a little bit of a regression to the mean. He's looking probably a little bit closer to 30 home runs. Who knows about the RBI? RBI is a little bit of a volatile thing to predict, especially when he's going to have guys in front of him that are going to be on base. And, you know, of course, the very beginning of this season, you you still got to be wary about the shoulder, although we've heard some good news about that as well. I think overall, 
in 2020, you're still going to get a pretty good player in a Eugenio Suarez, but I wouldn't expect the exact same thing as you got last year. You know, some projections have him hitting just a few points lower than 270, so that's going to take away your hits. That's going to take away some RBIs and things of that nature. But the good news is it's he's projected to uh, not strike out near as much. So that'll be an important thing, especially if you're in a league that counts that sort of thing. It counts negative to strike. I was in a league like that a couple of years ago, and man, oh man, that was stressful. But just so you know, heading into your fantasy drafts this season, and hopefully you're not getting ready for a draft right now. It's a little too early for that. But once your drafts come up, just keep it in the back of your mind. Eugenio Suarez is still a pretty good third base option. Don't expect the same numbers, though. There might be a little bit of regression toward the mean. And that's your Fantasy Minute, brought to you by League Commission for Monday, February 17th. And speaking of League Commission, what are you doing for the game? It's a universal question. Whether the casual follower, the tweets everything, the beginner, the diehard, the stat nerd, the smack talker, the appetizer guy, the couldn't care less, or the makes everything into a competition person, we all have our place in the sports world. The same personalities apply to fantasy sports, and Lee Kamish exists to ensure your fantasy sports experience is the best one for you. We match managers to leagues as we lay the foundation for your new league. It's an easy sign-up with your preferences, get matched, and approve of that match before any commitment on your end. Sign up with League Commission by February 29th and receive 15% off by entering the code Locked On in the referred by section of the sign-up form. The first 25 people to sign up using this code, code Locked On, Receive your first match completely free. What are you doing for the game? Find your next fantasy sports league at leaguecommish.com. Now that we're into spring training, I always find it interesting because as fans, we always enter spring training with different expectations. We can look at the roster, we can say, hey, they're looking really good, or hey, yeah, this might be a rough year. Every year, did you have the same approach, or how did it differ? I, you know, I, I think your, your, your training regiment and maybe um, sometimes pitch selections, right? Like you might learn to throw a cutter that you hadn't thrown in the past or something like that. But for the most part, it was pretty consistent. I mean, when I went into spring training, well, first of all, when the, when the season ended, I usually took October off if we were not in the playoffs or didn't get deep in the playoffs. I took all of October off, and I started playing catch on November 1. November 15th, the very latest. And a lot of guys start playing catch much, much later. But in my eyes, it was like I wanted to let my arm know this is what we do for a living. This is what you're going to have to endure. And I wanted, it, I wanted to start really slow and ramp it up slow. So by the time I got to spring training, I had some volume built up. A lot of people think they need a little bit more rest and they like to ramp it up a little faster. But I, I think it was part of the reason why I was healthy for such a long time without getting hurt. Yeah. Um, so, but most of the time, by the time I got to spring, my expectation was I knew I was going to be really sore after throwing the first um, couple of innings in a game. I knew batting practice, live batting practice was going to be a little uncomfortable. 
And and I also knew that even throwing those couple of first couple of bullpens with everybody watching, just wasn't you weren't going to feel that good. You just felt like a fish out of water. Even if you had played for a long time, it's very it can be a bit intimidating where everyone's watching you throw a bullpen and they you know you put up 15 wins, 15 wins, 17 wins like I did. People want to watch you throw a bullpen and think everything's going to be lights out, you know. And so um, it can be uncomfortable. But my my whole goal was to come into spring was to get, stay healthy, get get through the process. Um, leaving camp feeling strong about um, your health, mm-hmm. and I knew you know when the season starts, I don't think you're in, in you're not in you're not in you're not in like playoff shape, right? Like you know when you come out of spring training, people complain that spring training is a little too long, but for the starting pitchers, in my mind, you need about another you need another two, three, four starts before you're actually there, right? Because we we get built up to six or seven innings by the time we leave, but you just got there. Right. You want to be able to throw seven innings, eight innings, seven innings, eight innings, right? Night every fifth day in order to build that kind of um, stamina in your arm. It doesn't come by just going two, three, four, five, six, and then saying, okay, season game, game on. So in my mind, I really wasn't totally in shape until probably the back half of, of um, April, okay. right? So probably three weeks into the season after about four starts, it's like, okay, now I feel like I'm game ready. And as the season went on, I wanted to feel stronger and stronger. So I wanted I wanted my, if you looked at a graph, I wanted it to start really low and gradually go up, 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 up until we got to the very end of the season, September, and I felt like I was at my peak. Mm-hmm. The, you know, where a lot of guys, I would see them, they would peak in spring training or peak a little early in the season, and then they would either get hurt or die. Um, and they would, their graph would just go up and down a little right. bit more. And I wanted mine just to look like a slow climb up a mountain. When, I, when the season was over, even if we won the World Series, as we did, I wanted to feel like, I, man, I still got so much more left in the tank. I didn't want to feel like I was running out of gas. And so that was my whole thought process into coming into spring. As far as the training part of it, it would differ a little bit. But after I had honed the craft by like probably 2000 and you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, somewhere in there, you know, you're, you're pretty much doing the same things year in and year out. And you know, the things that work for you and also you're being successful and I'm staying healthy. And so there also wasn't a lot of conversation with people about trying to change what I was doing because what I was bringing to the table was working. Sure. When you got there, was there like, was there one teammate? I mean, probably not one. You had plenty of teammates throughout your career, but was there a guy that you always looked for whenever you got to spring training? You're like, man, I got to see this guy. He's got, you know, this is my guy. W- was there a guy like that? To learn about pitching or just people that I wanted to just, be around? Just a buddy. Oh, wow. I mean, honestly, the first couple of days of spring training, this is what I'm saying I'm jealous about. I'm not jealous about not being able to play the game. Sure. What I'm jealous about is when you walk into a big league uh, spring training and you get those first couple days to say, Hey, what's up, bro? I ain't seen you in, in a few months. It's been four months like Scooter Jeanette or Joey Votto or whoever, Jay Bruce. It's like, you know, um, you know, Tucker Barnhart, bro, what's going on? How's the family? How are the kids doing? You know, what you been up to, man? What? Oh, wow. I didn't know you were going to grow a beard like that. Right. Like there's all these Johnny Damon shows up with hair looking like Jesus one year. I remember freaking Kevin Millard came in just belly laughing. He's like, yo, you got to see it. Johnny looks like Jesus straight up. And it was like, you know, these are the things you don't, you know, you're not privy to in the off season because what people don't realize all the time is that we don't stay in touch with each other that much because we're together every day for eight months. And then when you leave, a lot of times your family dictates, you know, a lot of guys have wives and kids, especially, um, you know, the early years in, in baseball, a lot, a lot of guys have young kids that, sure. that, um, and you know, they're, they're in their mid twenties. They're just having a family. And so they're totally locked down with that and paying attention to their off season, obviously with with Instagram and things like that these days, you get to see a little bit more of guys' lives if they're taking some pictures. But, you know, back in the old days, you never even heard from these guys. Maybe you called one or two of your really, really tight buddies 
Um, but I just love walking in that locker room and being able to say hey to everybody. And then guys coming from new teams and you, you just get this, you know, there's this buzz in the air, man, for spring training. It's like, and the best part of it is once you're an established major leaguer and you're not worried about making the club, mm. it really frees you up to enjoy that full six weeks with the guys. And it just feels like this this process of getting in shape and also having a great time with the guys and getting to play a little bit of golf in the afternoon and having some barbecues and and um, all the things that come along with spring training. Um, I, I always enjoyed it. You know, a lot of guys would complain, especially the hitters, about it being a little too long and hopefully shortening the schedule. But I, I would have stayed in spring for a couple more weeks, to be honest with you. I really loved it because it was it was low pressure. Right. If you didn't, if you were an established guy who had a multi-year deal and you knew you were going to be in the rotation, even if you got your butt kicked, it didn't matter. It was just about getting your arm in shape. Exactly. And I just imagine, like, being a guy that comes into, you know, well, not a good year, but it used to be down in Sarasota, and BP is just already on a thousand. Like, I don't right, know. Right, right. He's already bouncing around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, spring has just got that, spring has that vibe where guys come in and you can be a little loose and crazy. And, and uh, there, there's something about it. You know, you, you, they're, you're eating breakfast in the morning. It's an early day. It's, it's different than the regular season. You're not staying up late. You know, and you and you're, you're trying to mix and match with the young guys, and there's a lot of shenanigans that go on in spring training, right? The managers, especially when Dusty was there, he would have a meeting every morning, and, and inevitably, I mean, if you were outside listening, you probably thought it was like a comedy club because it was always funny stuff going on, right? It, it, it was, you know, I could collect, I could collect videos from the year before somehow and spoof some guy like Billy Hatcher and put it up on the big screen and surprise him in the morning, and then you just <laughs> see him over there like, oh, they got me again, you know? Or or Dusty would just be telling stories and trying to inspire guys or. He'd bring in his rings one day, you know, he'd say, everybody, you know, if you have a World Series ring or an all-star ring, bring it in. And he would have them displayed out on the table and just want all the young guys to take a look at this stuff. This is what you're playing for. You know, this is my ring from 1977 or whatever he had. Um, He would bring that kind of stuff in. So spring is just a mixed bag of all these different um, things going on. And And then as it gets closer and closer to the season, it starts becoming more like a big league locker room and getting a little bit more serious. But it's, you know, it's the greatest part that, about baseball and probably anything in life, honestly, is the human beings that you're doing it with. And that's what I would, will always miss about the game is just being able to mix it up with the guys. And it's also why I still go to the clubhouse and do that during the season and clean the shoes and all that kind of stuff because just having, you know, uh, just guy time and just, just, you know, talking trash in the locker room is fun. Right. And with Dusty, he's back in the game. He's back managing what was your favorite? What's a favorite dusty memory of yours, uh, maybe from spring training? I I, I just love the, the greatest thing about Dusty is that he's such a mixed mixed bag. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I don't know if people know this about him. They, if you've spent any time with him, I mean, he he's like, you know, he used to say, "You, you ever seen those beer commercials with the most interesting man in the world?" And he says, and he goes, uh, "I'm the second most interesting man in the world." And honestly, <laughs> it's probably true. I mean, he like grows his own grapes. He's got like a bomb shelter at his house. I mean, he's he's owned. You know, boats that go out in the Arctic that, that uh, I don't know, like the deadliest catch. He was part owner of one of those boats before. He, you know, he's played played endless years in the big leagues. He's managed for endless years in the big leagues. He, he just has, he's got friends from all walks of life. He brings in food from all over the world. I mean, he'll bring in like a... He'll bring in like a moose leg from Alaska and be telling the, the, the he'll be telling the the cook at whatever stadium we're at how to how to prepare it for the guys. And he just it's just hilarious. You know, I remember one time he had a meeting. And uh, it was just before the playoffs. And he said, boys, you know all that food I bring you every year and all these little gifts I drop on everybody? He's like, you know, you think that's uh, you think that comes for free? He's like, that ain't free. He said, that was my investment. 
He said, y'all better win some playoff games and buy me a house in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> so Dusty is like, he is just a mixed bag. You go in his office, he's got a list of things that he's doing. I mean, and it's like detailed, like send Hank Aaron's. Uh, you know, white flour. She's not feeling good. I need uh, two tomatoes from my farm for Joey Votto because he's got the, he got the flu. I mean, it is unbelievable <laughs> how detailed this guy is and how much energy he has. I absolutely love being around him. And um, in spring training, it was the greatest every morning to have Dusty come in because you just knew you were going to have a laugh. On tomorrow's podcast, we're going to jump into Bronson's expectations for the 2020 Reds. He's, he kind of breaks down some positions and definitely looking at the pitchers and how good he thinks that they can be, as he believes that that is the most important factor in any playoff team is the pitching. And we'll jump into all of that tomorrow. But that'll do it for us here today. Make sure, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, that you are subscribed to the Locked On Reds podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and follow the show at Locked On Reds and check out LockedOnReds.com for even more content. If you've got reactions, questions, comments, whatever, just want to talk about the Reds, got a general question for me, hit me up. On the Lockdown Reds line at 513-549-0159. So that's it for Monday's show. See you guys tomorrow on the Lockdown Reds podcast. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.